We've been in the series of worship. This month is our focus on our element of worship. And worship is something that is very near and dear to my heart. Not only did I serve as pastor, youth pastor, past co-pastor, but for over three decades I served as worship pastor at our church in Washington. And so I have seen many things come and go throughout the years when it comes to worship. If you can name a fad, I've seen it. A craze, been in it. Techniques, tried them all. Styles, I've only got one. So, all the influences and the influencers, I have been involved with many of them throughout the years of the area of worship. And there's one conclusion. It doesn't matter how you try it. It doesn't matter how you do it. It doesn't even matter how good you are at it. God loves it. He loves when we take the time like we just did and cry, holy, holy, holy are you, Lord. He loves that expression from us. And so this is something that we, after the fast, we wanted to really start the year off with because Man, if we can get this into us, if we could get this under our belt, if we could get this into our spirits, there is nothing that you can't accomplish. Nothing. And so I just want to dive into this. Last week, we learned from Pastor Corey about Simon the Pharisee, you know, and how Jesus had healed him and cleansed him. And yet when Mary came and lavished that alabaster box of ointment upon him to anoint him. He was just standing back going, my, 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 what a waste. You know, why is she doing such a thing? Because he had forgotten what had been done for him. He had forgotten that that he was once forsaken, that he was once unclean. He was an outcast. I don't know about you, but there are many times in my life when I've felt like an outcast. How about you? Just don't fit in. Just don't matter what you try, no matter to get into that group, no matter to get into with those friends, you just don't fit. You know what? That's okay. Because there is a place where you fit. Every puzzle has a piece. And you could be that piece in that puzzle that completes it. And so don't, don't be dismayed, but we, we, we have to, we, we can't stay in that place of forgetting what God has done for us. Each one of us was in a place at one time, and maybe, maybe you're still in that place of being lost. Maybe you're still not quite understanding what this relationship with God is all about. Why do you guys stand up and throw up your hands and dance and sing and holler to somebody you can't even see? You know, we just celebrated Valentine's Day. Would you go out on Valentine's Day by yourself? And just love on yourself. I'm my own Valentine. (laughs) I've heard about being my own grandpa, but I've never heard about being my own Valentine. And I think that's, you know, we we can't do that. We can't just worship in 
inwardly. It's got to be expressed outwardly. And today I want to unpack that heart condition a little bit more, our heart condition and our mindset when it comes to worship. Maybe we need to see ourselves more as Jesus sees us and less, than how, we, and less how we see ourselves. Perhaps we need to rid ourselves of a religious spirit that holds us in bondage, wrapped in the grave clothes that we have wrapped ourselves in, or the world, the enemy of our soul, has wrapped ourselves in, wrapped us in, allowing a jealous spirit to dictate our opinion rather than truly allowing our worship to set us free. And we need to be in that place, church, because there, there, you know, there's an old song, you remember, I'm set free to worship, I'm set free to praise Him, I'm set free. Remember that one? That's how far back it goes for me, Trish. If you don't remember that one, I was back there. I think that came over on the ark. I'm not sure, but... How we see the value in worship will determine, determine the expression and the demonstration of our worship. If we just don't get the value of it, then we'll be those worshipers that just worship Him. Mm-hmm. Well, that's nice. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. And God ain't inhabiting any of that. He's not. We need to change our mindset, church. This isn't something that is, hey, here's a suggestion. Uh-uh. Moses went through the whole hassle of going back to get a bunch of stubborn Israelites out of Egypt because he told them, go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. So that they can do what? Come and worship me. That's what God wants. God is setting us free to be in a place to express and demonstrate the worship that is in us. If you want to start this morning in, in uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 29... In your Bibles, you can turn there. I want to preface it with another story, though, in chapter 28, verse 22. This is about King Ahaz. Okay, this is the king that was right before the next king we're going to read about. But it says, Now in the time of his distress, King Ahaz became increasingly unfaithful to the Lord. This is that King Ahaz. I, I like the emphasis there. I mean, that, that's there. This is that King Ahaz. For he sacrificed to gods of Damascus which had defeated him, saying, because the gods of the king of Syria helped them, I will sacrifice to them and they may help me. But they were the ruin of him and all of Israel. So Ahaz gathered the articles of the house of God cut them into pieces, the articles of the house of God, shut up the doors of the house of the Lord, and made for himself altars in front, in every corner of Jerusalem. And in every high city of, Jeru of Judah, he made high places to burn incense to other gods and provoked to anger 
the Lord God of his fathers. Now, he did a lot of wrong before the Lord. I mean, we may not shut up the houses. We may not take the articles of God and break them in pieces and burn them. We, well, maybe some of us build altars to ourselves in hobbies, in things we like to do. Sometimes we get to a place that we end up worshiping things more than we worship the Creator who gave us those things to go and enjoy. So I just challenge you, check, check where you're at in that, in that place. But, but here's what I want to get to. Second Chronicles 29, about King Hezekiah. In the first month of the first year of his reign, Hezekiah reopened the doors of the temple of the Lord and repaired them. He summoned the priests and the Levites. I'm glad we sang that song today. I want to be a Levite singing on the front line. That's me. So, he called the priests and the Levites to meet him at the courtyard east of the temple. He said to them, listen to me, you Levites. Purify yourselves and purify the temple of the Lord, the God of your ancestors. Remove all the defiled things from the sanctuary. And I'm wondering today if there's things that we need to remove out of our lives, out of the temple that now God lives in, that we have allowed in, that defile us, that keep us from a, two, a true heart of worship. And then it gets real good. This is what King Hezekiah said. Our parents were unfaithful. They did evil in the sights of the Lord our God and forsook Him. They turned their faces away from the Lord's dwelling place and turned their backs on Him. They also shut the doors of the portico and put out the lamps. They did not burn incense or present any burnt offerings at the sanctuary of the God of Israel. Therefore, the anger of the Lord has fallen on Judah and Jerusalem. He has made them an object of dread and horror and scorn. And you can see with your own eyes, this is why our fathers have fallen by the sword and why our sons and our daughters and our wives are in captivity. Church, if we find ourselves in a place of captivity, if we find ourselves in a place where we can't move in any type of freedom, when we find ourselves in a place that we feel bound up all the time, we need to examine why. We need to examine why. Why do we feel the way we feel? Why are the things happening in our life the way they're happening? Now I intend to make a covenant with the Lord, the God of Israel, so that His fierce anger will turn away from us. My sons, do not be negligent. Now, for the Lord has chosen you to stand before Him and serve Him, to minister before Him, and to burn incense. Then Hezekiah said, You have now 
dedicated yourselves to the Lord. Come and bring sacrifices and thank offerings to the temple of the Lord. So the assembly, everybody, brought sacrifices and thank offerings and all whose hearts were willing brought burnt offerings. Now a burnt offering, do you all know what a burnt offering is for? Well, let me tell you. I'll, I'll give you that. It is for the sins that we commit against God. Now I want to tell you about a little dream I had. Now I don't know if it was a fever because we, we got sick on, and, I, and this, this happened over that night when I was like, oh, and you run to the bathroom and then you come back and you try to sleep for a little bit and I was awakened with this dream like three times. And so I dreamt this dream and I was going to act this dream out today but I thought, eh, maybe not. <laughs> so, but I, I was a priest I had the robe on. I have, you know, all. I don't have all of the stuff, but I do have a robe I could have wore, and I, I have a black wig I was going to put on and put on the band, and I was going to come through the back door. I was going to ask somebody, maybe our sister back there, if I could borrow a goat, and you know, <laughs> bring in the the offering and go. Great are you, Lord, worthy of praise. Thank you for you know, how whatever we do to worship the Lord like that. And then I was going to bring it up here and lay it on the table. And I was going to take a knife and slit its throat and bleed it out. And then I was going to splash the blood on the altar. Well, that's what we used to have to do. Aren't you thankful? All you got to do is get up on Sunday morning, have your coffee, get in your car, and drive here and shake some hands and then come in here. But that was my dream, and it, it happened three times. I was going, God, do you want me to... I wasn't going to really slit a real goat's throat. I mean, I think... <laughs> you probably wouldn't see me anymore if I had done that. So, um, but but that's, that was a, the sacrifice that was required for us. And we all have our sins against God. If, if you sin, it's, a, it's against God. You don't, you don't sin against me. You don't sin against Pastor Audie. You know, I mean, David did come and say, God, I have sinned against you and man. You know, I mean, we, we, we can do a dreadful thing. But church, we ought to be in such a deep love relationship with Jesus that we hunger for a place of intimacy with him that we bring our offering to Him as we come in. That we would demonstrate to the young of this house, older uh, adults, what it is to worship. Because it said our parents, our forefathers, forgot. They forsook the Lord and turned their back on Him. And we, we carry a lot of weight and how we do things in the church because there are a lot of little eyes watching us. And how do you think they learn to do what they do? You know, they were told to tell these stories from generation to generation to generation. 
the things that God has done. And so, the way we worship activates what's in us. There are great things in each one of you that this house needs, that the kingdom of God needs, that this community needs, and we idly set them by because we don't allow ourselves to be built up in our most holy of faith. And how we get built up is by worshiping Him, reading His Word. But this is what happens when, when we worship the Lord and we allow what's in us to get out. There's a story, if you want to turn to Acts chapter 16, Pastor Adi preached on this maybe a couple of weeks ago, I think, about singing psalms and hymns. And it starts in verse 25, Acts 16, 25, says, But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awakening from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul cried out with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light. He ran in, he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas, and he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. And when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them and he rejoiced having believed in God with all his household. See, when we sing out to the Lord. When we worship the Lord, shackles are loosed. Do you guys remember that song, Take the Shackles Off My Feet So I Can Dance? Remember that one? Oh, I love that song. But when we begin to praise, when we truly get into it and we allow the Spirit of God to just come out of us we don't know what's happening to the people around us. We don't know what change. We don't know what uh, torment they're going through in their life, but it could be diminished. It could be gone. We could set them free with our worship because God inhabits the praises of His people. So the rest of that story, I think, might be, be in your notes if you're following the notes along. But, you know, Paul didn't want to be released by the prisoner, because, by the guard, because they were Romans and they were taken into and beaten by Romans and they were thrown into prison by Romans. And when the magistrates found out who they truly were, they were very fearful. Paul said, I ain't going nowhere till they come and set me free. So they did. They went to Lydia's house, they worshiped, they praised each other, they, they praised the Lord, they blessed each other, and then they went on their way. But truly, perhaps someone around you
could be set free because you're daring enough to worship. We don't reproduce what we want. We reproduce who we are. And we are worshipers. We were created to worship the Father. And we will praise God as we perceive God. See, when I was growing up, I had a dad that had a weird way of showing his love to me. Once in a while, he'd give me $20. I don't know why. He just chose to do that. But my perception of my dad wasn't a good perception at all. And I'll tell you why. Because he told me I would never amount to anything. Told me I was worthless, no good for nothing. And that I was weak, piss poor excuse of a man. That's what I grew up with. So I turned to things that would uh, help me alleviate all of those words coming in, you know, in the 60s and, and the 70s. We all remember the good old days, right? You know, the, the, the era of, uh, is that right, the era? That, sometimes I say the error, maybe that's more appropriate, but the sex, drugs, and rock and roll, you know? We, we got into that, I got into that, and I knew God, God spoke to me and said, I want you I don't know why God spoke to me, but God spoke to me. And he said, I want you to leave this place. And the only way I thought in my head I could leave this place, other than hitchhiking to California or something, but was to join the Navy, which I ended up in California anyway. Because I was not going to be long for this earth if I had stayed where I was at. And so I joined the Navy, and... Uh, and I had gone to church as a child, and our church did communion every week. We were one of those churches that did communion every week. They'd pass it down the row, and I'd reach in to get my cracker, you know, and then I'd go in to get my juice, and I just couldn't ever have it. Why can't I have juice and crackers? I thought this was intermission, you know? <laughs> And so I went to Sunday school. I learned all about Abraham, Isaac, and Moses, and Noah, and, you know, all of the good stories. And then I became 12. And guess what? I got to get baptized. And guess what happens when you get baptized? You get the intermission treat. You get to have the juice and crackers. And so the day came... And I went up to get baptized, and the pastor asked me, Larry, do you know why you're getting baptized today? I said, absolutely. And he never asked another question. Because <laughs> if he had asked, can you tell us why? Juice and crackers, baby. <laughs> I had never heard a story about God's love I'd never heard a story about how Jesus left heaven and came down as a baby, grew up, became a man, did all the wonderful things that he did, 
hung on a cross, was crucified, died, buried, and rose again for my sins? I never knew that. I grew up watching sports. I saw the John 3.16 sign, but nobody ever told me what it meant. Nobody even ever read it to me. And I was too dumb to go read it for myself. But I remember being in the Navy and God met me. You know, being in that, that error of wanting to do mind-hallucinating things. I met some guys on the ship and I thought, boy, they brought some good stuff with them because they're happy. And I want to be happy. So I, I met them and he goes, well, show, he showed me where they were meeting and I thought, yes, finally, I can be out here with 800 men and be happy. You know, but they took me down into the ship's entertainment center where they produce all of the closed circuit TV and the radio station and stuff, which I eventually became a DJ on the Oggy Doggy. And, uh, but my first communion that I really understood, my first communion that I truly understood why I was taking it, that it was the blood of Jesus that was my atonement for my sins, and it was the bread of his broken body for the healing of my, my wounds in my life. That night we had communion with Pepsi and Snicker bars because that's all we had. But it meant so, so much to me. And that night is the night that I learned and dedicated my heart to the Lord. And it was just a year or so later that I met my wonderful, beautiful wife, Diane, who has slain me and who has helped change my life in more ways than one. But church, worship, understanding that how we perceive God is how we will worship Him. If you can't see Him as a loving Father, if you can't see him as one with arms open wide to you, saying, come unto me. That's all he ever said. Come, come. I love you. Love me. If we can't perceive him as a loving father, we'll never be able to worship him as such. And I believe if we, if I had stayed in that place of brokenness, if I had stayed in that place of wounding, if I had stayed in that place of, of not seeing myself as he sees me, then I would have never been able to become a worshiper. We could have been like, if, if in your Bible, 2 Samuel, they're in the notes if you're following the notes. 2 Samuel chapter 5, starting in verse 17, about King David, and it says, When the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines went up to search for David. But David heard of it and went down to the stronghold. The Philistines also went and deployed themselves in the valley of Rephaim. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, Go up, for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into your hand. So David went and defeated them there. 
And he said, the Lord has broken through my enemies before me like a breakthrough of water. Therefore, he called the name of the place Baal Perazim. And there, they left their images there and David and his men carried them away. The valley of giants that holds us back, that defeats us, that slays us, that keeps us down, cast, and looking at ourselves the way we ought not look at ourselves has now become the valley of breakthrough. Where will you choose to live? In the valley of giants that keep you down or in the valley of breakthrough where you are set free? Where all the things that keep you down, all the, all the stuff, because Jesus has already broke through all of our smallness, all of our mindsets, all of what of the what ifs, the should haves, the could haves, the would haves. God has broke through all of that and made us to be worshipers of Him. Second Chronicles twenty twenty one says, after consul- uh, consulting the people. Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise Him for the splendor of His holiness as they went out at the head of the army saying, Give thanks to the Lord for His love endures forever. We sang about that this morning, about being a Levite on the front line. That's what we are called to be, church. We are called to be Levites. As they begin to sing and praise the Lord, they praise, the Lord set ambush against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. The Ammonites and the Moabites rose up against the men of Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. Just didn't say they defeated them, they annihilated them. After they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped destroy one another. Church, there is nothing that can stand against you. Nothing. Not one enemy of your soul can stand against you unless you let them. Unless you let them. And the way we get out of letting them is by abandoning ourselves in worship. Lifting up our hearts to Him. Lifting up a shout to Him. And I want to I tell you a little bit about why we do what we do in our praise. These postures of worship. And these are words, these are Hebrew words that, that have a lot of meaning to them. And so the first one is yada meaning to willfully throw up your hands to praise in power. Not, Oh Lord, I worship you. You are, you are good. Do that in your closet at home. When you come in here, it's with power. Yes. We worship you. Yes. You are worthy. Toda means to lift up our hands as a sacrifice. From this, 
I got my wife's hanky today. I forgot one. So. <laughs> this is yada. This is toda. To receive from him a sacrifice of worship for future things unseen. To worship him. To become a funnel that he could pour into. That's what he wants to do. Halal means to celebrate, to act calamitously foolish. I could have Diane come and tap dance on that by saying jingle bells, but she's. But that's calamitously foolish, being foolish before him, not caring what anybody else looks like. That's what David did when they returned the ark. He danced before the ark coming in and just as ephod. Or as Calvin Klein's, you know. Just dance before the Lord in, in His bareness before the people of Israel. He was halaling the Lord. Tehillah. Not to be mistaken with tequila. <laughs> Sing a new song unto the Lord. This is where we can use the gift of tongues as well. If you were here on Wednesday night with Bob Sorge, the first Wednesday of the month, he taught us that all of the songs that we do, and, and this has been true throughout time, that these songs are written are hymns. Now you may think, turn in your hymnal to 346, and we're going, I might even know what that one is, let me think. No. But, but you know, they're all hymns. And then there are spiritual songs, right? And, and then there are, are the songs of the Lord. And the spiritual songs, you know, we're told that when we come together, some bring a, a song, some bring a, you know, a spiritual song, and you all come together and we join, join to make up the church. And so um, we, we can sing a song, and that spiritual song that God wants to hear is the song that he has placed in you. Did you know you have a song in you? It's the love song of your heart to Father. I can't sing it. Your husband or your wife, your kids, your neighbor, nobody else can sing that song but you. And if God's never heard that song that's in you, He is longing for you to break forth in that song of how I love you, Lord. How glorious you are, God. How beautiful your presence is. Whatever that song is, whatever it is, if you begin to exercise that, if you begin to change your perception of God, that song is going to come out of you. And it's going to be a beautiful, beautiful thing. The next word is ruah. means to give your best Shout like an alarming trumpet. We're supposed to do that in church. Right? That's not the shout. That's a whisper. That's air moving through my mouth. I mean, that's, we're supposed to put some oomph Behind our shout unto God. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. 
what it tells us to do. These are not suggestions. These were words given to them to perform when they came together. Shabak means shouting to address in a loud tone and glorifying God. Taka, to clap your hands and applaud, rejoicing like nailing a board. Not golf clap. He wants you to clap your hands, all you people. Sing on to God with a voice of triumph. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. That's what he wants. Next word is alas, means to rejoice, to exalt, to jump for joy. So when you see everybody just rocking the house like this, it's okay. We've not lost our minds. We're told to do it. And then kara means to dance and to whirl about. I, I told this story in, in first service about a, a worship conference we went to. I, I don't even know how long ago this was. I'm going to say probably back in the mid-80s. But, but the church had a, a balcony level. And it came around and it had stairs that came down the front, uh, like, you know, like over here to the, to the stage area. And uh, out of the corner of my eye, I caught this brother just like, like this, just eyes closed, head up, and he's just doing this, worshiping the Lord. And he made his way over to the stairs. I went, oh, this isn't going to be good. Oh, brother. But that guy hit every step like this, spinning down the stairs. There must have been 30 stairs. And when he got down to the front, I mean, it was just, I mean, I don't know if he was in ballet classes or whatever, but it was the most <laughs> awesome, beautiful expression of worship I had ever seen in all my, all my life. I'm longing to see something like that again. But when we see these expressions, when I think we need to prepare ourselves, church, for what God is about to do. God is about to move, and I don't think, I don't think we're going to have a choice. We are either going to embrace what God's doing, or we're going to be like our forefathers and turn our backs against it and not have anything to do with it. And I don't want to see that for any of us. I don't. There is, there is a lot that I believe is us just, we are on the cusp of God releasing worship like none other in this house. None other. Ephesians 5, 18 and 19. Boy, this thing is really getting bad. It says, and be not drunk with wine where in excess, but be filled with the Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. We need to be producers in worship, not just consumers. 
God is not interested in how well you endured, how well you tolerated, how well you even tuned out the worship of Him. Some of us are skilled at that. God isn't even amused with our technique of waiting somewhere on the property. Oh, music has stopped. I will go to church now. He's not interested in that. He's not amused with our technique of being able to do that. He does not inhabit your attendance at church. He inhabits the praise of your heart. God is only interested in our obedience, our sacrifice, our offering of all we are to Him. I want to ask you, when you come to church on Sundays, that's like my dream, I brought in an offering. I brought in an offering. I'm not talking about your tithe. I'm not talking about maybe an extra check written for the offering, the expansion fund, none of that. It has nothing to do with money. But when you come through the doors on Sunday, what are you bringing as an offering to the Lord? Did you even know you had that responsibility? Did you know that? It's more than just getting up in the morning and maybe having our oatmeal, our overnight oats, cup of coffee, get in our car, drive over here, shake some hands, come in, find our favorite seat, and enjoy the service. If we're lucky, pastor will have a dad joke. And then we can move in to what's important. Oh, the heart of the father longs for his kids to lavish their praise on him. The word says that he inhabits the praises of his people. If we know that church, why then is it so difficult to enter in? Why is it so difficult for us to understand the concept that that is just all He wants? That's all He desires. No one around you can judge how you worship, what you do during I mean, nobody can. Besides that, theirs is probably a little worse than yours anyway. Just says to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Not all of us are, are blessed and gifted with a voice that can sing in four different octaves. But we are given a voice that can praise Him, that can say, I love you, Father. I adore you. I worship you. Thank you for rescuing me. Thank you for bringing me out of the darkness and into the light. Thank you for welcoming me into such a wonderful, wonderful family. God never said only when you feel like it or when the music is real good. 
Church, when we see Him in all of His glory, and when we see the train filling the temple, and when we come longing just to be and to bring something that's of worth, that's when we activate what He has placed within us. That's when we walk in the true calling of His purpose. And that's when we see Him in all of His glory filling our lives to overflowing. And that's when His glory appears and we can all do nothing but be in awe of Him.